Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at dcaureview.com. Now, here's today's episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 108 of the DCAU Review. I am Liam. With me, as he always is, is Cal. And Cal, we are wrapping up our month in the futuristic Gotham City with our final Batman Beyond review for the time being. Yeah, it's been a nice stay in uh, future Neo Gotham here this month. Uh, we've had uh, we've we've had a good time. We shared a few laughs. Um, <laughs> had a couple of picks added to our top picks section this month. Uh, so yeah, we are wrapping up this month of batman beyond with the next episode in order that being batman beyond episode eyewitness yeah and this is a really interesting episode it's significant for a few reasons one being as i believe we mentioned last week uh the first episode of batman beyond produced with the digital color palette Mm -hmm. um so certainly a, the, a bit of a visual shift, which we will certainly get into when we get into our main categories. Um, but yeah, and uh, also just kind of an interesting episode that sort of uh, deepens and, and sort of focuses more on uh, on Batman and, and Bruce Wayne's relationship with the police, with uh, this commissioner, Barbara Gordon. We've, you know, we've seen that relationship touched on briefly in the uh, in the Curare episode a while back in season one, but we really get to see that uh, that relationship on uh, on display here today, and we will get Cal's thoughts on the plot in all of our main categories. But before we do, as always, Cal, I have the IMDb synopsis for this episode. But of course, and of course, this is episode uh, the episode Eyewitness, which debuted uh, just over 20 years ago on January 22nd, 2000, on the Kids WB Network. How about that? 20, 20 years old now. There we go. And, and as you mentioned, this is the episode Eyewitness, which was written by Hilary J. Bader and Rich Fogel, directed by Butch Lukic, with music by Lolita Ritmanis. And that synopsis reads as such. When Commissioner Barbara Gordon sees Batman committing murder, she initiates an all-out manhunt for him while Bruce Wayne investigates what really happened. Which, uh, That's not, not a bad one. Yeah, not, yeah, not, that's one of the better ones, yeah. Yeah, so we can jump right into plot from there, Cal, and this really creates an interesting world. We sort of open with Batman sort of mucking up this attempted police sting. They're trying to break up, uh, trying to catch some arms dealers. Batman isn't aware that it's a police sting and kind of mucks things up, so him and Barbara Gordon are kind of already at odds, and then... All of a sudden, uh, after an appearance by our favorite Batman rogue, our Batman Beyond rogue anyway, Mad Stan, uh, we uh, Barbara Gordon appears to see Terry murder him in cold blood, uh, <laughs> leading her to launch a manhunt against him. It's a really, uh, you know, it's really kind of a mile a minute here in this episode. 
yeah pacing of this episode is very very fast um it uh man i i remember liking this episode a lot and i think some of it comes from the initial surprise that you get because the viewer obviously doesn't sees things from the point of view that same point of view that that Barbara Gordon does and sees what appears to be Terry in the bat suit killing Mad Stan. So you're like, what in the heck is going on? Uh, but of course, Terry's reaction right away and his insistence on him not not murdering Mad Stan. And he says, I think he says he just used his elbow or hit him in the chin with his elbow or something like that. Um, Terry? Bruce, you got to help me. I don't know why, but the cops are after me. Did you think you could get away with killing Mad Stan? Killing? What are you talking about? Barbara was an eyewitness. She saw everything. All I did was hit him with my elbow. He was knocked out, not dead. She wouldn't lie. And I would? Where are you? If you want me to trust you, you've got to trust me. Very uh, vehemently denies any, any wrongdoing. Uh, from the get-go, leads to a very, very quick resolution, uh, in my in my opinion. I, and I, I was trying to figure out, I, I actually watched the episode twice, trying to figure out why it feels so rushed. Um, and I think some of it is they, they draw out sort of the spent, uh, suspense on who who's behind all of this. But mm-hmm. once, once the suspense is drawn out, um, it's drawn out very well, too, even to the point of it's like, Bruce, Bruce doesn't just flat out radio Terry and say, hey, uh, Spellbinder is behind this. He tells Terry to do a a, uh, a UV or no, that's that's what the police uses. He tells him to do a frequency search or something like that and uh, to a frequency scan so that he can you know, scan the area. And re- it reveals that 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 uh, Spellbinder is standing right there. So Bruce doesn't even come out and just say, hey, Spellbinder's behind this. Take a look at him. He, he even builds suspense in that. Terry. A little busy right now. Put your visor through a frequency scan. Why? Because I know who's behind all this. And I'm betting he's there right now, hiding behind an illusion. Spellbinder. But the resolution is a very quick batarang toss and, um, you know, all is, oh, Barbara finds <laughs> out that, re- realizes that this has been the, oh, he's been behind this thing the whole time. And then Spellbinder sort of has a throwaway line that sort of, I don't know, says something a little bit about Barbara. It's, oh, you were so quick to believe that he was behind this or something like that. Almost as if, if she he knew that Terry was... Batman, like that she had this sort of grudge against Batman, but he obviously doesn't because he doesn't know Terry's secret. So it just kind of came from out of nowhere. I, I don't know. I, I, I felt very conflicted when I was scoring the plot here. What did you what did you think? Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I think part of it may come as this is an episode that doesn't do as well on a rewatch because, you know, the ending. Um, right. And so you're not sort of along, you're, you're along for the ride in the sense you can enjoy the action and and sort of how the mystery is crafted. But when you know the punchline is sometimes it's hard to put that genie back in the bottle. Um, yep. There are certain movies or TV shows when it's all so, sort of built around the suspense and the mystery 
once you've seen it once, sometimes it can be, and even if you really enjoyed it the first time, it can kind of be hard to, uh, to recapture that magic when you, when you go back for a rewatch. And I think that might be part of it. Sure. But, uh, yeah, to your point, um, we, yeah, we have this sort of frantic thing. Like I said, there's this opening bit where, as I mentioned, Batman like mucks up a, a police sting operation. And then you see Barbara going to Wayne Manor to complain to Bruce that he screwed something up. And, uh, and, and so we already know that uh, Barbara's kind of on edge about Terry. And so they set it up interestingly, but to your point about Spellbinder and that line he throws out at the end. Yeah. I, I guess he's a psychologist. He was a psychologist originally, right? He was like, the school. I, th- or I think that's right. Yeah, I think um, that's right. So I guess the idea is he was just trying to play with people's emotions to see if he could get the good guys at each other's throats. But um, yeah, that's, his his motivations for framing Batman, it isn't even just like I hate Batman and I wanted the police to kill him. It's like he has this some other motivation that we aren't really clued in on as to why he was even doing this in the first place and you know why he chose to really frame Batman for murder. Um, I mean, there's some interesting elements to it. I think uh, you know listening to Terry, you know Terry and Bruce kind of having these conversations on the phone where. You know, Terry's all frantic and, and Bruce is, is is kind of frazzled and doesn't know who to believe because, of course, he doesn't believe that Barbara would lie to him. But he also, you know, has put his his trust in Terry, obviously, to to carry on this mantle of Batman. So when Terry sort of very, uh, very forcefully tells him that, you know, it wasn't him, it didn't he didn't do it, then, uh, you, you know, Bruce, Bruce kind of immediately goes and, and tries to help Terry. And I mean, that's maybe the most fun part of the episode is again, to see a little bit more of that, that the Bruce and Terry relationship, uh, you know, get a little more nurturing and get, and to see Bruce kind of be the detective trying to figure it out. It's kind of, again, this sort of race against the clock where Terry's, you know, trying to, trying to check on the, the body of Mad Stan, which isn't there. And then he's being chased by the police all the while. Bruce is trying to piece things together to figure out what's going on. And yeah, I think all of the pieces are there for like a really great episode. But again, maybe just because we already knew the ending um, or because the villain's motivation wasn't made particularly clear. It kind of just comes off as like, I mean, there's some cool stuff in it, but it's not like it didn't come off to me at the end as like an all time great episode. If that makes sense. I, yeah, I, I agree with you regrettably because, you know, I, I wanted to love this episode a lot more than I think I ended up. And it's not to say it's not enjoyable. This, I think is going to be, at least for me at the end, you know, totaling up scores is going to be, this is going to come in at, you know, a, a relatively mediocre score compared to, uh, a lot of our our favorite episodes, and that's not to say if you haven't seen this episode, like you said, the genie with the genie in the bottle, it's a lot like it reminded me of uh, Over the Edge, which mm-hmm. I have not watched Over the Edge in several years, but I remember seeing that episode for the first time, and that when it debuted, and you're just like, what in the heck is going on? This is insane. And obviously, yeah. we haven't had the chance to review that episode yet, so I I 
eagerly anticipate the ability to, to get into that episode one day and to see whether or not it's a similar type thing. Because in my mind, I hold it with such high esteem because it's it was such a unique episode. They did such a yeah. great job of building the suspense. And then, but but we know because we've seen it so many times. We know what the outcome is. We know what happens. We know what who's behind it. We know uh, how it ends. Um, so without that suspense piece, it, you know, it's it's like watching The Sixth Sense. Like if you know this the what the spoiler is for that movie, is it still a good movie? Like can right. you still enjoy it the same way? Um, you know, it, I I I don't. I don't know how much of that took away from this. I, I think the other thing that I thought about would was, and they didn't they didn't really do this until I believe the Justice League episode, but a two parter for this episode may have benefited it a little bit um, mm. because you could have you could have gone in into more depth with the Terry mucking the the police thing up a little bit. You, you know, there could have been more depth as to what that whole story was about. She, I mean, she she talks about it. Barbara comes to Bruce and talks to him a little bit about the ramifications, but there could have been some back and forth between Barbara and Terry there, where you know Terry's not exactly respectful to her, she's not exactly respectful to him. That kind of builds that tension up to the point where um, when he does fly in to save her her husband from this. Uh, terrorist mad stan uh that there's there's tension that's already built up there it's like you know she she thought she could have handled it or she would rather the police be involved or rather not him be involved um and then that could have even further further elongated sort of the the pursuit the chase the the um the tension being built there as to you know how is terry going to escape one of the one of the most interesting parts that i thought is when terry so he he gets surrounded he's gonna get caught after he leaves the morgue and the police have surrounded him he gets away in one of the police cars and obviously flies a a good distance away to this old town majestic theater that bruce tells him he's got to take this underground tunnel behind it and you know, yeah. you're hoping there's going to be some connection to the original series. He lands and literally Barbara and the police are right there. It's like that's a good like movie gag, like a like a Batman gag. But how did the police entire police force get there before Terry did um, that kind of was like and it kind of ruined that. Well, what is this majestic theater and why is there a, a tunnel behind it? And why is like we don't learn anything about that we don't know we it was just it was just there it was just part of old old gotham was something that we have to assume fill in the blanks for so uh, i feel like a a two-parter an additional maybe 22 minutes could have stretched this out a little bit built up that anticipation maybe given you a little bit of a of a spellbinder uh story you know some backstory maybe he escapes initially uh in that confrontation and he and Batman have a have a good confrontation like that very first Spellbinder episode. Uh, the, the battle scene at the end of that episode was really great. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like it could have could have used a little more time to, to sort of flesh some things out. Not to say like you said there are good there are good spots. There's some interesting things here, but uh, for all of that, I ended up giving plot a six out of ten. And yeah, I'm uh, I'm right in that same ballpark. In fact, the exact same score. I, uh, I also gave it a six out of ten. Um, yeah, but for most of the reason you mentioned, yeah, to that, to, to your point about the uh, the thing where Barbara 
sort of, you know, beats him to this to this apparent secret tunnel at this majestic theater. Yeah, like that's a clever gag in the sense that yes, she was Batgirl, she was Bruce's partner, and she knows about this, so she would know about this. But to me, that would be better if like we see her have that realization, and maybe she gets there just after he's going in, and maybe she has to like chase. You know, she and the police like chase Terry down into the tunnels or something. Um, maybe that could have been a bit, you know, just for that sort of change. Because I think it makes sense in the way that Barbara would know about the tunnel and would maybe even figure it out because obviously she's, you know, a great detective in her own right. But yeah, her and the entire police force somehow knowing and knowing to get there and in fact getting there before Terry could. Um, is is I think maybe ruined a little bit of uh, not ruined, but certainly I think it hurt hurt the episode or hurt the uh, the pacing of it a little bit. So yeah. yeah, not a not an awful episode or anything, but uh, yeah, maybe a little bit of a disappointment from uh, from where you held it in in high esteem when you're uh, when you're thinking back on it. Sure. Moving on to our next category, which will be visuals and animation. Cal, as mentioned, this is the first. Uh, digitally colored episode. Um, obviously, now the show uh, Batman Beyond from here on out looks is much more in line with the Justice League uh, shows and and JLU. Um, I guess does the does the digital color palette does that rob a little bit of some of the mystique and some of the atmosphere that this Batman Beyond show has had up to this point for you? Um, I, I don't know if, I don't know if Rob is the right word. I would say, uh, you can definitely tell a difference. Um, and for me, I, you know, I, I, I think the, the animation company on this one was Dong Yang. Um, Mm I, I could not tell you another episode that they may or may not have done. We haven't really talked about the animation companies very much, um, other than, you know, some of those Batman animated series episodes that we've just absolutely despised um, <laughs> as far as the animation is concerned. But, um, you know, there were some at least early fumblings and inconsistencies. I think some of the textures got washed away in a few scenes. Um, mm-hmm. Things are things are definitely brighter. Uh, things definitely pop off of the screen a little bit more. Uh, and that that works to to its benefit at sometimes I think Batman looks um, stands out a little bit more, which is good because he's in, he's in an all black suit. Uh, so standing him standing out against the background is definitely important where he, you know, some of mm-hmm. those, some of those scenes where he's up against a dark background, it's, it's very easy for him to get lost, you know, even with highlights on his costume. So, um, you know, I, I think that I don't think it robs it. I think it's, it's going to take a little bit to get used to, um, uh, yeah. What, what, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I, I would agree with most of, of, of what you're saying. I just, I think some of these episodes, especially some of the ones where they go for a bit more of an atmospheric look to the city, um, that, that original color palette where things look a little dingier and, and dirtier and darker. Yeah. I think there is, there is some value in that. But again, to your point, I think, uh, I think it's also just kind of a, a culture shock because obviously every Batman Beyond episode we've reviewed up to this point has been with that uh, with that old color palette. So 
Yeah, I definitely think it's more just uh, getting used to it. That that being said, there are some really, really great visuals actually right at the start of the episode as uh, as Batman is about to uh, break up this arms deal, uh, which turns out to be the police thing. There's a this shot. It's it's you know, it's dark and rainy and uh, there's Batman sort of perched on the wall um, and there's sort of this awesome profile shot where he's looking down and. You see the rain hitting his cowl and sort of dripping down off of his mask, and you see the lightning strike behind him. Some uh, some really cool visuals. Uh, there's a few uh, cool POV shots. I always like when we get to see you kind of see the world through Terry's eyes with some of the different uh, lenses and stuff in that bat suit. Uh, definitely still some some fun visuals to be had in this episode. Yeah, absolutely. I think that first scene is definitely the standout um, as he's up against the wall. Like you said, he's, you know, he's hanging on the wall waiting for this arms truck to arrive and the rain drips off of his cow and the lightning strikes. That was that was really great. I think that scene uh, on the rooftop after he leaves the morgue as the police helicopters surround him. You're surrounded, Batman. There's no escape. You might as well surrender. Sorry, not in my vocabulary. Oh, I'm fragged. Uh, that gave mm-hmm. me sort of some homages and flashbacks to two different Batman the Animated Series moments, one being uh, on Leather Wings, which, of course, is the very first episode, um, which you can, of course, hear in the archives at DCAUReview.com, episode one. Um, and also, of yes. course, a, a, a very similar sequence can be found in Mask of the Phantasm, um, mm-hmm. where Batman is being pursued by, by the police. Um, and you can hear that coincidentally in the archives as well. Um, but you know, I, I think that bringing that up, but giving a new spin on it and, you know, getting to the point where he is sort of surrounded, he has to steal a police car, um, to escape. Of course he has the, he has the ability to turn invisible, which my first thought was, well, why don't you just turn invisible immediately? Like why doesn't Batman, why isn't Batman invisible all the time? That's, that was my question through this. And I think it would be great if we just decided since, since we sort of decided that he got this technology from that, the, uh, from the see no evil Batman, the animated series episode. Um, and, and that they talked about in that episode, how the, the film or whatever that the invisible man would use sort of was, uh, was un- unhealthy uh, if, if used too much. Mm-hmm. So maybe if that is the same technology, Terry can't use it too much. You know, he, he can only use it a limited amount of time because it's unhealthy for him. You know, it'll make him go crazy if not. Uh, I like that so, theory. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it, it has, it has, it, that's the only thing I could come up with that would explain why he doesn't just walk around invisible all the time, because <laughs> why on earth would you rely on any other means of stealth? Yeah, I mean, I've always been a bit confused as to this, like the properties of this, because sometimes it appears that he's just completely translucent, and sometimes it looks more like a camouflage mode where it's like he, you know, he takes, you know, whatever, you know, it sort of mirrors whatever surface he's standing on. 
So uh, if that's the case, it kind of makes sense. You would move, you would still kind of see a human-shaped thing that was just, you know, colored the same. And if it's moving around a lot, you would be able to spot that, I guess. But I don't know. That's that's me trying to <laughs> trying to figure out a reason. But yeah, to your point, um, yeah, he should be invisible all the time. Um, but yeah, that 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 does lead to some some pretty cool visuals with the uh, the the big UV light and. You know, he tries to use a more traditional Batman way of escaping with a smoke bomb, and they have a just they just have a giant fan. How much <laughs> use does that get when they aren't fighting Batman? I have to wonder. Uh, never, I guess, unless they're tear gassing somebody and they have to disperse the the tear gas or something. I guess. Okay. I, okay. I, I, maybe. I, I I could not tell you though. That seems like it's just a, a gimmick that they created for for in case we run into Batman and he throws down smoke bombs. There you go. And then yeah, other than that, I mean, we once again, as we mentioned, we have the return of Spellbinder, who's always a, a very cool visual look. But to to our point in the when we talked about the story, he's not really in it very much. Um, we do also nope. have the return of Mad Stan. He has all of these very fun, wacky uh, weapons. And in, in addition to his sort of, you know, disc explosives that we saw in his first appearance, he has these like two giant guns. The Batman missile launcher has. handguns. Yes. <laughs> Uh, he has uh, a couple different uh, guns and bombs and things that he's throwing around at, at Batman, and and uh, so I, I always I always love uh, a good Mad Stan appearance. So I, I appreciated the visuals of uh, his character. He really does come across like I forget the character's name, but it was like the parody of the Punisher on the Tick animated series. Oh yeah, uh, yep. I forget what what that guy was called, but that's. Honestly, and especially because he has that giant, uh, that giant jaw, like it just, it really yep. sometimes feels like he's walked out of the tick or some other sort of like superhero parody comic sometimes, but in the best way. Uh, yeah. I love me some, some mad Stan. Um, but yeah, o- overall, like I said, I think there's some, some pretty strong visuals to be had, but nothing, uh, nothing incredible either, other than maybe those, those first few shots in the in the opening in the rain. So uh, for all those reasons, I gave visuals a seven out of 10. Ah, well, I am right there. I actually gave it a little bit stronger. I think that opening scene with a police scene were enough to give it an eight out of 10 for me. Um, the new, like we talked about the new digital color palette is going to take some getting used to. Of course we did review um, Batman return of the Joker, Batman beyond return of the Joker, which used the digital mm-hmm. palette as well. Um, which again, you can hear in the archives at DCAUreview.com. Um, but uh, yeah, so there's there's going to be a, a, a get some getting used to with that. Uh, one of the other visuals that I enjoyed was the fact that at the end the uh, they reveal what actually happened to Mad Stan, <laughs> uh, you know, after his disappearance, and he obviously didn't die. He wasn't in the morgue. Uh, it was all a ruse, you know, created by created by Spellbinder. We find out that he is in one of the floating VR tubes that Spellbinder used in his last episode appearance in Hooked Up, uh, which you can also hear in the archives. And uh, he's he's there blissfully unaware of what's going on, just <laughs> destroying Gotham, blowing up City Hall, no more jury duty, he screams out. <laughs> just a great line, just a great great way to wrap up that character's, uh, character's spot here. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, strong, strong and enjoyable visuals here. 
you know, a few more probably would have taken it up to a perfect score. Well, there you go. Uh, moving on to our third category, Cal, which is music. Um, I'll be honest. Uh, I don't have a lot of notes for music this week. Um, I liked the music when Terry is uh, when the when he's in the morgue and the, an invisible person sets off the alarm, which, of course, we find out a spellbinder later. <laughs> Um, and he runs out. There's some pretty good, uh, you know, over, you know, rock music that kind of accompanies that whole scene and the and the chase, the ensuing chase. I'm in. Good. Now find room B15. But uh, it feels like music really actually kind of pulled back a lot this week. I feel like there's quite a few scenes that don't have any music at all or very little including kind of the end there when when Terry and Barbara are having their like heart to heart about how she's like wow I guess I really jumped the gun and he's telling her well you know I've you know we have that in common or you know I've been there before myself and uh, there really wasn't there wasn't like a ton of music accompanying a lot a lot of this episode and as we mentioned we don't get a lot of music in the back cave so we didn't really get much music when like Terry and Bruce are talking on the phone either. So yeah, music kind of takes a big back seat this week, I feel like. Yeah, especially when we're coming off that episode last week uh, with Terry's friend Dates a Robot that we talked about. Mm-hmm. Just such a such an important part to the characters in that. And, you know, there are weeks where we've talked about where that, that isn't necessary for music. The music doesn't need to carry it. It doesn't need to describe the villains or the or the heroes. Um, I, I think that you're right. The scene, the scene where he's in the morgue is uh, I, we didn't really get a chance to talk about that in visuals, but visually is a very interesting scene as well. He's walking through, he's seeing all these organs that are in, you know, formaldehyde or whatever they're sitting in. These these mm-hmm. jars of of human body parts, and he backs into a hanging skeleton. And, and you're right, the music accompanying that really sets the creepiness, the eeriness. Um, he opens up the you know the spot where Mad Stan is supposed to be, and he's not there. And the, the music sort of swells, and then he hears the the skeleton rattle again he looks over and the the eeriness of of that scene is uh is really kicked up by by the accompaniment of the music so Mm -hmm. uh, yeah that that scene stood out to me i like i said i watched this episode twice just trying to pick out some some spots for music i was extremely underwhelmed by the music especially in the in leading up to stan being fake killed um the music just is it's like you listen to it and it's just it's just straight up organ it reminded me a little bit of that first episode of justice league it's just kind of nondescript uh organ or you know like keyboard organ Mm -hmm. and um and you know you really want something to create the tension in that scene that part of the scene because you know terry supposedly just killed this guy and i mean it kicks up when barbara starts shooting at him (laughs) after she thinks he's killed him um but yeah, all, all that to say, all that to say, yeah, music really was not a major part in this week. Um, there's a little bit of it in the tension as as Terry gets pursued by the police, um, and then when he when he finally spots spots uh, Spellbinder, he sees him there. But you're right, like even at the end, Terry's on the phone with Bruce. I was kind of expecting the original acoustic guitar song that I hate. <laughs> uh, from, to, to come through the the wrap up everything's okay music as as Terry's yeah. putting on a tuxedo and telling Bruce that that Barbara's given him this this honorary police award as as kind of a sorry, um, but it wasn't there. It was just kind of like 
all right, episode's over now. So for all those reasons, uh, I gave music a five out of ten. Yep, I am right there with you with the exact same score again, five out of ten. Um, yeah, nothing wrong with it. Like I said, there's some there's some fine music during those those chase scenes, and we will make our our one last plea as we wrap up our Batman Beyond month to uh, you know to Warner Warner Brothers, uh, whoever whoever would own the, own the rights and have the ability to distribute uh, the soundtracks for Batman Beyond as well as the other DCAU shows that have never had their soundtracks released. Uh, please do that. Uh, people, I'm sure, yes. including us, would love to pay you for it. So maybe, <laughs> uh, maybe throw it up on a on a streaming service or or something. But uh, so I think, as as always, we kind of mentioned that that you really have to kind of listen, or the music really has to stand out. And yeah, just uh, for for better or worse, it it, it kind of plays plays uh, not a literal fiddle, but a second fiddle to. Uh, to the uh, to the story and and the visuals of the episode. And moving yep. on, moving on to our final category, Cal, we have voice acting. Not a big cast this week. Some returning guest stars, like Henry Rollins as Mad Stan, who we just talked about a few. Uh, John Cipher returning as Spellbinder, and like at least two or three of the cops who talk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, to the point where, like, when, like, I think he is both of the cops who shout at Batman to stop when, uh, <laughs> when the thing to, because there was a moment where I was, like, having a Mandela effect thing where I was like, wait, is all of this Spellbinder, like, has he, like, trapped Terry and Barbara in this, both in this illusion and, like, only Barbara is actually there and none of these other cops are real? But no, that's not what happened. He just happened to, I think, pull uh, pull double or triple duty as as some of the other uh, police officers in the episode. But and then of course we have uh, Stockard Channing as uh, Commissioner Barbara Gordon. I gotta say, I think we've been uh, she hasn't had a large role to play in many episodes, other than maybe as we mentioned the uh, a Touch of Curare episode, uh, which is a while back, which you can hear a review of in the archives at DCAUReview.com. Um, I don't think she's great. I'm not saying she's bad necessarily, but uh, I didn't. I was not wowed by uh, her performance as Barbara in this episode. Agreed. Uh, I I think that the scene between her and Bruce, where she comes down to the Batcave and and confronts Bruce looking for Terry because she believes that he's murdered Mad Stan. Um, and Bruce tells her, well, if you put an, you know, if you put out a warrant for his arrest, you're going to expose not only his secret, but my secret and your secret. And, right. you know, her response is, uh, man, it, it could have been so, so much greater, should have been mo- so much greater, I think. Where is he? Where's McGinnis? Not here. When he comes, you have to turn him over. If you take him in, you'll expose his secret. And mine. And yours. What other choice do I have? Do we have? Believe me, I'm acutely aware of the ramifications. I have a husband running for re-election. How long do you think that'll last when this hits the web? No one can protect us this time, Bruce. He went too far. Um, that was the scene really that stuck out to me. It's like, oh man, like 
I was I was hoping for so much more in that, so much more emotion being showed from her in that. And I think that maybe it's maybe it's the character itself. She doesn't really show a lot of emotion, which is weird yeah. because the, it you know compared to certainly Melissa Gilbert and and Tara Strong's performance of yeah. a young Barbara Gordon, it's just the opposite. She's full of vigor and excitement and um you know so for the character to go through this sort of change now she's this hardened police you know veteran and no nonsense and she doesn't give an f about her secret <laughs> being exposed she knows what it's going to take but this is what's right uh even even comparing it to a commissioner gordon it's he had still had some warmth to him. So I think yes. it's a little bit that it it's it's sort of a shock to the system almost uh, that this character, it doesn't quite fit the character that we know a little bit. And then on top of it, there there's a scene like that where she has the opportunity maybe to show a little bit of of, you know, of emotional range. And it just seemed to be kind of delivered in the same way that she delivers a lot of her lines so yeah it was a it was a little bit of a disappointment in in that scene in particular i think the end end sort of uh is a is better uh where she sort mm-hmm. of realizes that spellbinder is the one behind it um that scene when she she has to you know sort of communicate some surprise that works a little bit better uh but yeah overall i was i was a little bit disappointed it wasn't terrible mm-hmm. uh but, but i definitely think it could have been better yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I Yeah, I think generally her best moments in the show to this point are those interactions with Terry. Um, and for whatever reason, you would... And there's some nice little dialogue at the beginning of that scene where she first goes to see Bruce uh, after the police thing where Bruce has made tea and they're sort of having some small talk and there's sort of, uh, you know, veiled references to uh, to Alfred and... Bruce's inability to uh, to make you know to make the tin cookies quite as well as he did, um, and <laughs> again, there's some of that stuff where you you where you you're sort of reminded, oh right, these characters have known each other for X amount of years, and they have all of this history, uh, you know, and and you would think there'd be more right when you get to that scene in the cave where she's basically telling Bruce that she's willing to not only expose Terry's secret but hers and Bruce's as well um you would think that's like a giant moment and where all of her kind of anger and frustration and rage at Batman at at this vigilantism that is has sort of permeated Gotham City for all these years really comes to a head but she kind of just (laughs) delivers it very similarly to her lines when she and Bruce are just sort of making small talk about uh, Alfred's cookies so yeah, it's and again, it's not a terrible performance or anything, but uh, yeah, yeah, we could have used a little bit more of a uh, of a little bit more oomph from her. But then, yeah, I think that the strongest performance this episode, perhaps unsurprisingly, are uh, Kevin Conroy as as Bruce Wayne and and Terry McGinnis or and Will Friedle as uh, as Terry McGinnis slash Batman. Um, that I think is really the strongest scene is is when Terry calls Bruce and you know, sort of begging Bruce to believe him and um, and and they sort of have a back and forth. And, and Bruce, as we said, is kind of working 
working against the clock for the rest of the episode, trying to piece together what's going on. Um, yeah, I think they're both really good. Um, and so for all those, for their, their performances, which I thought were pretty strong, I, uh, I gave voice acting a seven out of 10. Uh, I'm right in the same neighborhood. I, I went a little bit lower, six out of 10. Um, you know, I, I, the disappointment in in Stocker Channing's uh, performance sort of brought my score a little bit down. I think you're right. I think that the conversation between Terry and Bruce, I love the, di- the dynamic where Bruce gets on the phone with him and he's like, did you really think you could get away with murdering Mad Stan or killing Mad Stan? Yeah. And Terry comes back. It's like, I didn't. And, he, and he's like, well, Barbara said you did. He's like, and why would she lie? He said, why will I lie? And there's this right. this pause and Bruce doesn't say anything. And then you can tell that he immediately is like, you're right. I, I trust you. I believe you. Yeah. Um, and it's very, it's very subtle. There, it's not a line where he says it. It's just the way that he, he sort of pauses. And then the way that Kevin Conroy continues the, the dialogue, just a really good, like pregnant pause, Bruce considering the facts of what's going on, who this kid is, at at his core at his heart and choosing to believe him in that moment yeah and that that builds on some of the stuff we've talked about some of the episodes we talk about this month like in uh in the shriek episode Babel, where uh where you know bruce sort of really goes to bat for terry to barbara and and really for the for the rest of the city of you know how how much he's sort of in now embodies that that role that truly embodies the role of batman and and how how sort of uh, how Bruce himself has become inspired by you know by this kid that he inspired and, and sort of the cyclical relationship they have and yeah getting to see that be a bit more on display here was cool and yeah I thought I thought Kevin Conroy and, and Will Friedle both did uh, really great jobs so tallying up our final scores here Cal it looks like I have a final score of 25 out of 40. <laughs> oh man if you didn't know any better you'd think we were related uh <laughs> yes and as we always say we do not discuss our scores before going on the air uh i also have a 25 out of 40 yeah well, there you go uh yeah not uh we don't talk about the scores but we are related and we very rarely disagree um, I guess we can jump into rewatchability here, Cal. Um, this is kind of a mixed bag for me. I want I want to hear your thoughts. <sighs> is it a rewatchable episode? It's mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's that's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to say because we already talked about sort of the when you know what the the punchline is, when you know that the tension is sort of out of the episode. Does the rest of the episode give you enough to hold on to to rewatch? Uh, if you want to watch every uh, Mad Stan episode, absolutely, <laughs> you gotta watch this. Um, you know, I think there is there. Yes, I would I would say yes because I I still like this episode. I still enjoy I agree. it. Um, I still think that it's it's pivotal. At least we didn't really talk about either in plot, but they're they're sort of building to this fact that Terry has been in juvenile hall. There's been subtle hints at it recently. Uh, going back to the the uh, Willie Watt, the latest Willie Watt episode where he talks about being familiar with Juvenile Hall, and mm-hmm. uh, there were a couple other uh, nods to it during Rats, I believe there was another mention of it. So, 
you know, there, yeah, Dana's father mentions it in Rats yeah. uh, that that Terry had 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 been a, a bad guy or something. So, um, which I mean, in, when it comes to treating Dana, yes, absolutely. <laughs> True. But that's another hashtag, that's another message. Anyway, hashtag Dana deserves better. <laughs> For sure. Um, but yes, it, it sort of builds to that. We get the payoff for that later on. Um, but, you know, that's that's a pivotal part of Terry's role. It sort of fleshes out some more of the relationship between Terry and Bruce. Like I said, the, the trust part uh, between Terry and Bruce and and certainly the relationship between Terry and and Barbara. So, yeah, I, I would I would say, yes, it's worth a rewatch. It's not the best of the best when you're looking at through this critical lens like we do with these episodes. A bad score, we always say, does not mean or a lower score does not mean that we don't enjoy the episode. Um, or they, we don't we don't like them. It's just we give a ranking for certain things, and that's that's how they come out. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. Um, yeah, and to your to your point about that stuff with Terry being in juvie, yeah, again, that sort of builds this interesting idea of sort of Barbara's made up her mind about Terry almost before she even really gets to know. Him. Um, and that that's that's I mean that and that theoretically that leads to her saying, hey, you know, I. I rushed to judgment and I, I was wrong, um, which they do pay off at the end of the episode. But at the same time, also, like, there was a guy who has what is essentially a magic thing that makes you see whatever he wants you to see, um, who showed her Batman murdering someone. So it's not like it's not I, I almost wonder if it would have been better if, like, he just showed the illusion of a dead mad mad stan and Batman standing next to him and Barbara thought just immediately jumped to, oh, my gosh, you know, Terry killed Matt Stan uh, versus her versus her literally seeing. And again, the audience sees what she sees, which is Batman killing him. So I almost wonder if if you really wanted to kind of go down that route of like, you know, don't jump the gun, don't judge people by their past type of thing. Um, maybe a little tweak to that could have been that sort of she she sees what appears or what she thinks is a, a already dead mad Stan uh, when she gets there rather than her literally seeing a, a vision of Terry killing him. Maybe that, maybe that's a tiny little tweak, but again, we're, we're, we're uh, Monday morning quarterbacking uh, to say the least 20 years later. But uh, yeah, overall I would agree. I think there's enough in here with the reoccurring villains and with the Bruce and Terry stuff that makes this, uh, we give this one thumb up for uh, for rewatchability. Totally agree with you, Liam. All right, Cal, and that will begin to wrap us up. Thank you all so much for listening. Again, this was episode 108. Uh, definitely want to get your feedback on it. Already had some people talking to us about this episode on Twitter and Instagram this week. It's uh, I think it's an episode that a lot of people hold in high regard. So, uh, yeah, be willing to hear. If, if you went back and rewatched it and then listened to our show, would love to hear uh, what your thoughts were going back to it kind of with fresh eyes. Um, and what do you agree with? What do you not agree with? All that sort of stuff. So you can always follow us on Twitter and Instagram. The handle for both of those accounts is at DCAU review. So uh, definitely hit us up there. Anything else, Cal? No, I think uh, as we always do, we, we've now wrapped up uh, this month's worth of programming, which means we have a new month starting next week, which means new month, new program. Liam, 
very excited to talk about where we're returning. I know you already gave the uh, the followers on Twitter a sneak preview. Another another reason to follow us on Twitter, get the news first. But uh, let's talk about where we'll be returning next week as uh, as we we cover a new series for the month of June. That's right. We will be returning for the first time in quite a few episodes, as it turns out, when we were uh, discussing what we would be reviewing next month. uh, We realized it had been quite a while since we had returned to this show. So we will, in fact, be returning to the world of Superman, the animated series. And we will be kicking it off with the debut of the Parasite in Feeding Time. There we go. Uh, Old Rudy we're going to be talking about there. That's right. Uh, Yeah, a reoccurring villain that makes several appearances through the DCAU all the way up into Justice League Unlimited, I believe, or at least Justice League. Yes. so, uh, yeah, a, a big part of, of Superman's Rogue Gallery. Yeah, we, we realized that we had done a month of Superman Elseworlds, but Superman the Animated Series has kind of gotten away from us a little bit. So, yeah, definitely looking forward to returning to that world, getting some Tim Daly in our in our life, uh, you know, some Dana Delaney. We, we, need, we yes. need the old standbys. So uh, returning there uh, for the month of June. Looking forward to that. So you will not want to miss that. But until then, I'm Cal. And I'm Liam. And we'll talk to you on the next episode of the DCAU Review. Bye.